RDT Systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it. But add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18. The Soft Mouth Dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT Difference. Let's go. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me, I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack, easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff. Easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel food crate. Slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. All right, our number one asked question is revolving around force fetch whether your dog drops the bumper or duck at the edge of the water or you failed a few hunt tests because the dog monkeys with the birds or won't pick up a bird let me help you help your dog bunch of different breeds bunch of different personalities start to finish teaching you how to do it links in the description What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. Welcome to a show. We got a fun one coming up. We're going to recap a little bit of hunting season. We're going to recap a bunch of Q&As that came in via our Patreon, which, you know, last week was Thanksgiving, and I'd like to shout out and thank all of you who tune in and listen to our show who are on our Instagram, uh, and specifically our, our Patreon patrons, the the folks there who ask questions, join our happy hour, you know, participate in that community. It's super fun. So, you know, it's kind of like buying me and Kevin a beer, jump on Patreon, but it's not just that. It's helping us be better. It's helping our podcast get better. It's helping our YouTube channel get better. And realistically, our patrons are our biggest sponsors and our biggest friends and allies in the journey to help provide cool content, information, and fun to you guys. So if you enjoy the show, which I hope you do, and if you enjoy our Instagram and get tips and tricks and answers in your DM, you know, from me, slide over to patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters and join the fun, join the community. We appreciate it. We'll see you there. You can baby. You know it. The food that fuels the truck alone duck. We rock the 3020 and we rock the puppy blend for two different reasons. The puppy blend is a formula specifically for you know large breed Labradors, as our example, really, that are athletes and they're smart. And we want them to be smart. We want them to grow right. And we want their joints and all that stuff to grow properly. So we keep them on the puppy formula for about a year. 
Then we bump them to that 30-20. You can nuba, baby. And they develop into an athlete. It's like a NFL player or an NBA player eating junk. They're not going to perform right. They're not going to be at their best. They're not going to have the output. When they eat healthy, that output increases. So make sure that you're fueling the nutrition to the dog athlete that you have and fuel them up with that Yukonuba baby. Next up, Gunner Kennels just came out with a new product, the Gunner Kennel Food Bowl, and like a little watery dish thing. It's pretty cool, if I do say so myself, like a really, really neat innovation. If you So they just launched a bunch of stuff on their Instagram, and you can check out their website. They have tons of cool stuff, but... Man, it's smart. I wish I thought of that. It's a slide-in insert bowl that you can put food or water in. And if you wanted to, there's like a little spout outside the kennel that you pour the water in and it just shoots right into that little bowl without having to open it up, you know, the door up. It's just seamless. So another great innovation, another great product from Gunner Kennels. Christmas is around the corner. So if you want to get into a Gunner Kennel, Slide into our DMs. We'd be happy to get you set up um, and get you a little Lone Duck deal, if you will. So check us out. It's at Lone Duck on Instagram. And slide into the DMs. Tell us you listen to the podcast and you want to get into a Gunner Kennel for Christmas. Uh, We'd be happy, happy, happy to help. Uh, Next up, Dogtra. Now, Dogtra, you know, as you all know, I've been a big fan and a user for about 12 years now. And they've been a sponsor of a show for a long time. And they've graciously invited me to SHOT Show. Now, where's that at? Las Vegas. They are actually bringing you to Las Vegas. Yeah. On purpose. On purpose. They're letting the bush light drinking <laughs> dog man into SHOT Show. And I'm really excited to, you know, talk about their product. We're going to be on their Instagram a good bit talking about SHOT Show, talking about a few products that they're launching for uh, 2022 so that'll be fun so stay tuned late January we'll be at SHOT Show with Dogtra and always 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 thankful to them for believing in us and our show and providing you guys with awesome e-collars another little tidbit if you want to get a Dogtra collar again for Christmas it's coming up we have them on our website LoneDuckOutfitters.com we've talked about it 1900s the bark collars, the edge RT. If you're thinking of uh, asking mom or dad or the wifey or girlfriend or husband or whatever uh, about adding a, a new collar or a bark collar, you can get them at LoneDuckOutfitters.com, that dog truck. Next up, smoke them if you got them. I'll be honest with you, I haven't used my Traeger in a little while. Been down and out, been tired, it's been rainy, been cold, and I've been itching for some wingy dingies. You know what I did? What'd you do? So usually keep my Ironwood 85 out on the back, the back deck. My house is weird. It's got like a back, small little back deck, but then it also has a porch, screened in porch. Moved her up to the screened in porch. Guess who's going to be smoking meat all winter long. It is so convenient. I can't, I'm smiling ear to ear. Yeah. I can't believe you didn't do that already. That's an awesome idea. Yeah, I know. I don't know why it took me screened in. The smoke will just roll right out. Oh, safe. Awesome. And very, very convenient. Good for you. Big yeah, fan. Big fan. Traeger. Smoke them if you got them. Check them out on the old Instagrams. Next up, Waypoint 
Outdoor Collective. They keep us in tune with you and you in tune with us. They got a ton of great podcasts on their little platform. Um, so you can check them out on Instagram, Waypoint Outdoor Collective. And lastly, Shooter Shooting, baby. Mmm. Bismuth. Now, we're going to get into the show a little bit about my hunting season. And it's been bleak, to say the least. Been busy, just not hunting a ton. And there really hasn't been a lot of birds. So we'll, we'll get into it. But I'm telling you, when I pull the dang trigger... Those suckers fold. It's like old Rut Daniels. If the trigger's gold, the birds will fold. Yeah, Rut. But you better be shooting them with that bismuth. So head over to Kent Cartridge on Instagram. I've seen you do it. I've liked it. I've commented. When you see a bismuth picture on Kent and you just go, mm, I love you. I love you for it. I appreciate it. But uh, again, guys, Christmas around the corner, check out LoneDuckOutfitters.com and jump on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash LoneDuckOutfitters. Those patrons help keep this show afloat and it keeps the cool questions coming and we appreciate every single one of you for being on there with us. So don't hesitate, check it out, join the community. Thank you. All right, let's get into the show. All right, I'm going to quickly dive into duck season. Here in central New York, I think I've been out four or five times. Not good. The weather around here, and I don't know about anybody else in the eastern seaboard uh, or like northeast or even anywhere really, but we've had warm weather again. This is like the third or fourth year in a row where into December we're 45, 50 degree days, a lot of rain. It's ridiculous. And birds aren't migrating. So we've got tons of local birds. We've, you know, some of my buddies have had great shoots early on. And then the birds get stale and shot up and find out where it's safe. And you'll go out and hunt and see them all flocking, you know, around all the houses and you know, just places you can't hunt them. And it's been tough. It's been tough scouting. The divers or, or uh, you know, yeah, the divers like uh, bluebills and redheads and golden eye aren't here. And usually Thanksgiving week is like a bang up hunt, you know, a week of just killing ducks. And we didn't really do much. I did have one good hunt with Slippery Steve Salamon and his brother Bubba. Yeah, tell me about that. I, I We haven't talked about that, but it seemed like you guys uh, found a few few birds yeah we went to an old trusty spot that me and you have been to i would refer to it maybe as the island spot but we have a few island spots oh no i think i know what you're talking about though yeah and uh super windy day so we're there early in the morning it's opening day of our little zone here so it reopened it closed gave them a break for a few weeks and then it reopened so we hit the second split then so we hit the second split and so these, what I would refer to as probably now, five, six days later, as probably stale birds weren't stale. They decoyed great. They, they were plentiful, but they were local birds. They, you could tell where they were landing. Like they just knew that in front of Sally Sue's house uh, and her dock was safe and it's 200 yards away. And, you know, they'd hear a gunshot from us go off. They'd all fly. 
do a loop and land right back at Sally Sue's. So they're definitely local birds, but um, we, I would say we saw 200-plus mallards. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's a good chunk of birds. We only killed five. Hey, <laughs> listen, I don't what is that 2.5%? I don't know. But we killed, you know, we were one shy of a, a three-man limit of mallards because, again, on the eastern seaboard, right. it's a two-mallard limit now. And, See, uh, now that's how you say it. You don't say, oh, we killed five birds. You say, wow, we were just one shy of yeah, three-man one, limit. One shy of three-man limit equals five birds, which is sad. Yeah. Um, but they decoyed nicely. We had a few birds that we thought were a little far, but hindsight 2020, we wish we shot at. Um, that always kind of happens though, where you're like, does. you're sitting there and you're like, oh man, we, you know what we, I, I bet or like we, early, I bet you're like, oh, you know? it's a hen. Like there's so many birds, right? There's a couple hundred birds flying around at first light. You're like, don't shoot the hen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now it's like, dang, we should have got that one. hen. <laughs> Eight minutes later, you're like damn hens. Like, come on. <laughs> they eat the same baby. Yeah. Uh, but you want that green head pick. Yeah. So, uh, we took, it was. Steve Salomon, Slippery Steve, his brother Bubba. You on his? You want his? Yep, boat. we went on his boat, and we took Safe Master Hunter Safe, who's had two litters and got a bunch of cool puppies. I got one in training, and Steve kept one, Bubba kept one, so they're no coming way. south with me. Oh, yep. I didn't know that. Yep, Steve named his dog Duck. It's a pretty good name. It's cute. It's funny. It's weird. Like right on is what it is. Yeah, I named my dog Bird. Right, similar, similar. Um. And so I'm excited to have those two on the trailer this this winter. But uh, what did Bubba name his dog? May, 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 May. Uh, male, female. I mean, give me the rundown. Both are female. Both. May May would not be a dude. I could understand the duck idea. Sure. Well, okay. Yeah. I was thinking like, give me the rundown. Black lab, yellow uh, lab. Yep. So duck is a yellow lab, and May is black. I think I've never seen her, so I don't oh, I don't enough. know. But I think he got a black female. Nice. And uh, I have their sister, Sophie, in training right now, who is a ball of fire, absolute great marking dog, really good training attitude, um, immature, but shoot, she's only seven and a half months or whatever. Oh, so, so that makes not, sense. But not ball of fire it. and great marking dog sounds just like safe. Exactly. And so we took safe out on the hunt, and she did really well. I mean, God bless Steve. I mean, he's got two little kids at home and doesn't train and doesn't get to come up and train. And now after he's work. got four dogs. Yeah, he's got four dogs. <laughs> four dogs and two kids. Yeah. Yeah, he's wild, man. Yeah. And um, so safe, you know, quote unquote, rusty, not rusty at all in this hunt. She was steady. I she, love that dog. There was uh, one bird that landed way out into uh, a piece of the river and just kind of lost her bead on it and he stopped around the whistle and we're in the shadows and it's still early and i'm like you're gonna need to like stand up in the boat and like really move with the cast he did she took it boom right on the bird um again not hard but in the heat of a hunt where they're super excited and you're dark it's easy for them to like spin out and go where they want to go or just make a mistake and she just was on her a game looking hard looking at him focused in and uh it was good i mean it again it wasn't like a he ran a really badass hard blind it just no, was but it's just awesome when it comes together and yep. when it's like this is this is when you want it this is when you need it you're like yeah if he didn't on, if we didn't have her. a dog that could handle no. you know she'd have been 
70 yards deep of that bird she was 20 yards off of it it was floating in the the current sure. and just she was off of it not winds not helping her so anyways yeah it was just it was fun man uh shot a couple mergs which again cold-blooded murder <laughs> murderers <laughs> we gotta come up with something better couple lawn darts mm-hmm. um <laughs> cold-blooded no murder. the boys i shot a uh, freaking merg it was kind of high but it's a merg stoned it <laughs> to the freaking bismuth i'm Listen. telling you you know how mergs are hard to kill <laughs> lawn dart into the water deader than a doornail i'm like you got to be kidding me. Thank we just, we laughed our butts off and they were like, oh, bah, bah. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I know. It freaking stones them. Hey. So, another, another nothing bird wrong with that was sending a dollar shot shell at a, you know, freaking merganser, but, yeah, I'll, but I'll kill them all, man. I don't sure. care. But Flying then, to my spread, see what's up. Exactly. But then you like talk business. <laughs> dollar <laughs> for a bird or pay like $10 at a duck farm. For birds for the uh, oh, for, for training, throwing, you for mean? training. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, it's why great, not? great idea. Great idea. But, uh, <laughs> it's being economical. Man, we had a great time. Um, he brought us his griddle and uh, percolator with oh, coffee. Man, of course, and he did. He had killed a deer, so there was some venison in, in it. I mean, he we just we had a great, great hunt, and they went back the next day. You know better. Lightning never strikes twice. Yeah, no. Those ducks figured out that it was duck season again, and they landed at Sally Sue's, and they saw a hundred and or uh, what did I say, two hundred and fifty birds? Yeah, they saw one hundred ninety-five. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> oh two hundred and twenty-five mallards. Yeah, and uh, man, they you know they just I think they killed two mergs. They just they the mallards knew better, and as quick as it was fun, is as quick as it went dry again um that's now, how it goes this week it's gotten colder and you know the scouting will pick back up from all of my you know my buddies and hunting compadres and we'll see where they are and, and what's in the area over the last four days of real cold nasty weather yeah, so but tomorrow i think supposed to pick back up warmth yeah 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 i mean it's just it's, it's just tough. weird it's off it's strange but you're gonna do some grouse hunting this week right yeah, so Andy has a little procedure that needs to be done, um, and so she's going to be off the rest of the season. And so this week I'm going to try and get out for two hours here, two hours there, and, and get her a, a point or two grouse-wise. And deer season in the northern zone of New York is closing this weekend, so we can go back in the woods without worrying about messing up somebody's deer hunt or you know somebody shooting a white speckled yeah. english setter thinking it's a albino freaking piebald doe yeah. with a straight tail so uh, i'm excited for that that'll be good we'll keep everybody updated on andy's uh little mini adventure before a procedure it's nothing major we nothing to worry about but just uh keeping andy in the game yeah got a got a clip a little thingy dingy that's been dangling <laughs> i don't know what the hell it's just a dangling so we're gonna clip that sucker off uh um raggedy ass andy man she's a bad to the bone she's had a good year so far i mean from grouse hunting in idaho she's traveled the country really she had a pretty damn good year yeah chucker hunting in idaho pheasant hunting in montana um a few grouse hunts here i never shot a freaking woodcock this year 
Never really got to go out woodcock hunting. Um, so that was a bummer. But we, we went a few times with our grouse hunting here and I don't I don't think I shot one in New York yet. I've had a rough year. I've been working too much. It's kind of crazy. Working, traveling. You were also gone for a, a month. month, five weeks maybe during yeah. hunting season. Yeah. I mean, that makes that, it hard. Yeah. But I'm ready to kind of buckle down a little bit. We got a few dogs. You took a home. trip to Mexico. Well, that was three days. Just saying. I mean, that's the same. Yeah. Three days. That's not a real. So that didn't trip. hurt me. <laughs> yeah. Didn't hurt me hunting wise. So, uh, anyways, I'm excited for that, and I'm excited. I mean, Memph hasn't really retrieved many, so we'll get in there. Uh, another cool announcement. Boat life. Is that what you're going to say or no? Do we bought a boat? Yes. Well, we did. That wasn't what I was going to say, oh. but I dig what you're saying. Yeah. We, we picked up a killer deal on a Grizzly Tracker 1754 with a 50 horse on it, side console. Uh, it's got a blind, you know, like a pop-up Avery-style blind. Looking. Um, you know, so that'll up our game a little bit. We should be able to fit four dudes in there with a dog and decoys and hunt safely. Now, I don't know. I'm hoping we can. It might just still be a three-man boat, but really excited. Um, you know, that'll be neat. But that's in the shop getting quick tune-up. Then we'll yep. be good to go. Yeah, it had a little bit of a hard start. And we didn't want to be in 20 degrees, middle of nowhere, you know, of a lake and, you know, after sitting for four hours duck hunting, trying to fire it up and it won't go. So it's just getting a little work on it. Hopefully we'll have a maiden voyage in another, you know, couple days, really. I'm hoping this week it'll be done. Yeah. But I was going to do a a mini announcement that that Izzy is pregnant. Yeah. Wait, Hank. Hold on. He's going to. I don't remember. Just push a button. Push it. (laughs) (laughs) Give me one more. Nope. Kevin sucks. That's why we don't do these things. Yeah. All right. So Izzy's pregnant. He's trying to get a round of applause or like. One of those buttons does it. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Sucks to suck, Kev. Listen. Izzy's pregnant. (laughs) Izzy's pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Izzy. uh, So a little backstory on Izzy. Um, I bought her. I don't know, three years ago, I guess. I guess she's three. And my aunt fell in love with her, like came and saw us one day, and she's like, oh, you got a puppy. I'm like, yeah, you know, be a part of our breeding program. We'll train sure. her up. You know, she'll be a competitive animal, and, and you know, we'll, we'll breed her. And she's got like, a great pedigree. Yeah, like, and lo- like-, like Quinn and Prairie. Like, yeah, yeah. she was going to be my dog. And uh, she... Is like, well, I kind of want her. <laughs> like, okay, uh, all right. Well, uh, you know, I'll, yeah. Da, da, da. So I thought about it, and basically, the deal we made is Izzy lives with them. I trained her to the junior level. She's got all her health clearances. Um, she's awesome. Yeah, totally good dog. Like, could make a very nice animal. Um, but she is, she just, well, you, I mean, in, in competitiveness wise, oh, like okay. nothing's holding her back. It's not like the title is, is what stopped her. It's the fact that she lives with my aunt and uncle. Um, but, but training her was easy. She loved every part of it and she was, she was a really nice dog. So now they've got a, a bad, the bone house dog that, you know, will come here and do a little refresher course when they go on vacation just have fun training and 
but it's their dog. It's my dog technically, but it's their dog. And I just said like, you know, we'll breed her, you know, one or two times, um, as long as everything pans out. Well, excellent hips, good elbows, you know, clear, clear. Is that on what it was excellent and good. Yeah. Clear on cool. everything genetically, like a, a perfect specimen for a family hunting companion that, uh, you know, if somebody wants a master dog, these dogs will be fully capable of it. Um, in fact, Izzy's father, if, if you all remember Adam Campbell from the Doghouse podcast and Campbell's Hillside Retrievers, he's been on our podcast. Great dude. You've been on theirs, haven't you? Yeah, once. Uh, Izzy's dad is on Adam's truck and is qualified all age, master national retriever, like passed the master national three times. Like she has what it takes. It's just uh. that's how the cards fell for her to be a junior hunter and back sure. to the bone family member. So. Um, but we found out today, x-ray is confirmed pregnant. So if you're in the market and you want to get into it, uh, we have two, the two females are already sold. We have a list of people we need to contact, but you know, long story short, we'll have, we'll have some pups. And then I also got another female that I'm really excited about. Her name is summit. She's a Fox rad, dark yellow Labrador retriever whose father is the famed Grady, national field champion, field champion, amateur field champion, Grady. And uh, mother is a master hunter. Ooh, I could be wrong. She might have qualified all age too. I don't remember off the top of my head, but bad to the bone pedigree. Super nice animal and has excellent hips, good elbow, like everything that you'd want. And she's got an awesome personality, really loves working. So she will be on the docket this year for having some pups. Um, so we, we should have a few litters this year. That'll be really, I'm really excited about. Are we going to, is Quinn going to, Quinn's of age. Quinn's of age. Um, what's your plan for Quinn? Oh man. Mini, mini, eh, that's not a mini sidebar, but it's a mini sidebar. Quinn is, is a really fun competitive animal. And so I juggle between breeding her soon And then that might take her out of next year's master national. Like she might not have enough time to qualify for master nationals and, you know, bounce back from puppies or whatever. Or do I wait until after master nationals next year and then breed her? Um, But either way, I would say in the next 12 to 18 months, she'll have a litter and they will be, I'm going to keep one out of it. I'm going to have a, I'm going to keep a male out of it. Um, That's big news. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that. So, but, but I just, she, she's like right at the cusp of shoot, you know, running qualified all age stuff, running master national like at two and a half years old, she's a specimen and I don't want her to miss master nationals this year if I'm going because shoot, I bred her and now there's just not enough time and we're one master test away from qualifying and sure. you know, we're out. So does she have any master passes right now? No, not even. I mean, she runs master level. She runs a, yeah, she's right. Yep. Exactly. So we've talked about that on the podcast. So (laughs) sidebar to the sidebar to the sidebar, (laughs) you know, she's mine. I've no, um, timeline on her. So I don't have this, like, I need her to be a master hunter by two years old. And then when you do that, we've talked about it again, like, 
people rush to get their dogs their title and then they create bad habits at the line or at test. They get test wise. All these things can pop up from running a dog too young. And I don't have that. I could care less that she's not a master hunter yet because you come and watch her work and you're like, what? You'd be like me asking the question of how many master passes does she have? Because when I come and watch her work. Yeah, she's, she's just as good or better than everybody who's ran the master national. So, you know, it's just, it's just a maturity thing. She's a little bit high, high drive. So I feel like if, if I gave her the opportunity to get loose at a test, she would take advantage of it. So I'm being smart and being patient and we'll run them this spring and she's going to do great. Yeah. Um, I'd like to run some cues with her. So that'll be really great as well. Um, so I don't know what we'll do with her breeding wise in the next 12 months, but she's in heat now and we didn't breed her. So let's say six months from right. now, that's well, so then there's dang, the timing. Exactly. Is, yeah. No, that so makes now sense. we'll, we'll test, train, test, train, test, train, run master national, get home from master national. Let's say November, she comes into heat next right. year. We'll breed her. Gotcha. That's my game plan. So well, she'll be three and change or just turned three really and uh we'll breed and before we move on you didn't talk about our handsome stud dog for oh, izzy oh yeah for izzy we we uh studded her to the boss man old bossy um dad's dog real well built really smart really easy going he's uh, a, a really nice hunting dog He's enjoyable to be around. He loves a pheasant hunt. He loves to he's duck hunt. He's been bad to the bone pheasant hunting this year. He's done an awesome job, which maybe a lot of people listening aren't looking for a, a flushing fiasco here, but he's, he just has it. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he's got a good nose. But what I love about Boss is his disposition. And we always talk about this on-off switch with a Labrador or any breed, like, does it have an on off switch? So like when it comes in the house, is it going to be a pain in the butt or will it have the understanding of, Hey, it's downtime. You know, you know, I can't promise that a puppy owner is going to have this, but when boss was eight weeks old, he was like a 10 year old dog in the house. He just, just loafed around, lay at your feet. He just hung out. He just hung. He was not up your butt. He wasn't monkeying with stuff he just was chill and then you go out and throw him a bumper and he was 100 miles an hour so he really is the quintessential like he was the definition of an offset where it's either on or yeah and when it was on it was like the work it it, it was you know where i would say quinn doesn't have the best off switch when she's in our house it's like i want to be pet i want to like bring you something i want to let's go do something oh you stood up let's go do something she's not bad but it's not an off switch. And if somebody who got that that kind of dog who doesn't have the time for that kind of dog and doesn't know how to train that kind of dog, probably be annoyed where sure. a boss puppy is like, you know, because this isn't his first litter. This is not a repeat breeding, but he's had several litters where you look at these puppies and you're like, that's a damn boss puppy. Like, <laughs> super chill. Did he just nap after his nap? That's yep, a boss that's puppy. That's a boss puppy. <laughs> then you throw it a bumper. And bad out of hell. Right. So it's it's cool. And Izzy, I would say Izzy is a 70-30 split on off switch. It's a good way to put it. She's not crazy, but she's a little bit more than boss, right? Like she sure. sleeps on the couch in their house. She's super cool. But uh, 
her first year, I would give her. Her first year, it took her a little while to take that deep breath, which is totally normal. Yeah, it's puppy stuff. Totally but she normal. is awesome. We dog sit her uh, relatively often. She's great. Yeah. So there'll be a nice litter. Again, I'm trying to produce a dog. My li- like life goal, if you will, of, of a lone duck dog is the on-off switch in the house and be competitive master hunter, qualified all age style, like go out and whatever you want to achieve with that dog in a hunt test, it can do. Anything you want to achieve in the duck blind or pheasant field, it can do, and we'll do it with style and pizzazz and enthusiasm and drive and be stylish and da-da-da-da-da. But then when you go inside the house, let's tone it down a little bit. And I can't, you know, it's never, nothing's perfect, but I'm always trying to finagle it to be that way. Let me ask you this, because I agree with you, because me, you and I have a different view on dogs, and we have we own dogs in a different sort of way. You're a professional trainer. You have all this land, whatever. I have a full-time office job sort of thing. I live in the suburbs, right? Like it's possibly more, you know, like what other people listening to this Yeah, have. average. <laughs> that came out wrong. I just meant you're the average guy buying a puppy. You that's, work okay, a eight ten hour job, was, right? Like we, yeah. so you, you got a fence in backyard. You yeah, got a family I, and a kid. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, average dick. Yeah. So what I meant was like, uh, <laughs> most people listening are probably like, okay, like this is more like me. I want a dog that can go out and hunt. But realistically, if you look at the three hundred and sixty five day span of time, yeah, you've hunted three know. times this year. Okay, four no, times. But like a. I've only hunted four times. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Okay. You know, right. most but guys are not a like, 60 day guide. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And they're not training their dog running six days a week, 700 yard blinds, six days a week, this and that. It's like, okay, well, yeah, let's go for a hike and let's go for a run and yeah. we can do it and then we can go hunting. Yep. Yeah. But for the most part, I want a dog who can chill and then be extremely but here's well the kicker. So here, and go do those things. 100%. And I think that there's a. Uh, Average. A lot of dogs that can do that, and you could kind of have a real subpar animal meet that meet that standard. So, so this is what let me finish my thought. Like, if you just needed to go get a duck, and then go on a hike and chill, you could have a pretty subpar animal. And the caveat to what I want is, I don't want to create a subpar animal. I want to create a bad to the bone master level like and and you know a lot of folks will be like well i don't want to run hunt test so maybe i won't buy a lone duck dog or a, a da, 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 da dog right sure. like i don't need the ribbons right. fine i don't give a shit about your ribbons i'm talking about the caliber intelligence drive style perseverance athleticism you know the grit to do something that's challenging and hard i want that i want to train that i want to own that so if i'm going to breed dogs i want to i want that I want Quinn. I just need Quinn to take it down two notches so that the average person who works an eight or 10 hour day and only gets to train two or three days a week can still handle its energy. And so that's what I'm trying to create. I do not want to, and I'm not pointing a finger at people who do this or don't do this or allegedly whatever, but I don't want to dumb them down and breed dogs that I wouldn't want to own. 
I, every puppy that I, if, if I had a perfect world, every puppy that we breed, I would want it to be a dog to be like, I'll take that. Yep. That's coming with me. Let's go hunt because it's fun. It tries hard in training. It doesn't get its feelings hurt. It doesn't whine in the blind. It doesn't, you know, uh, it's, it's gets along with every dog it meets, right? Like if you, if boss was aggressive towards <laughs> other males, which yeah, Kevin's laughing because he's like, yeah, he wouldn't hurt a fly. I, yeah but if he was if he was a dick with other males he wouldn't be a part of my breeding program i do not want to produce that i don't want to own that i'd sell him he'd be gone right so you know we're trying to just do the best we can and it's it's like you're not going to win them all and and you learn and you pair dogs differently and it's it's not a science it's not a plus b equals c it's a plus b equals all right, let's check them out for six months, eight months, 10 months. Let's see what they come out with. Okay, I really like that. All right, that was okay. That one out of that litter is really great. It's sister, medium. And you're and I've trained hundreds of dogs, and you see parents and grandparents <clears throat> that like are producing what you want, and you want to try and bring that in and push that out. And it's... So let me ask you it's this. It's cool. In... You, in training hundreds of dogs, in seeing this, and in having the goal of on-off switch and having that, not just off and then, like, mediocre on, but, like, full tilt. How rare is that, right? Like, it, it, so let me ask you this. Yeah, I got You've you. had this many dogs come through the kennel. You've, in your lifetime, whatever, had hands so on this here, many dogs, like, it's not easy to find that. It's not easy to breed that. It's not. Nope. I, I'm looking for perfection. Right. And so. It's not easy. Every dog, every dog in my kennel, every dog that I own, every dog that you own, every dog I've ever trained has something I don't like about it. Sure. It's just like me. Like I have lots of things I don't like about you. 100%. But there are things that I would change about myself or strive to better or you know, can look at and find fault in myself. And like, I always remember sports. Like I thought I wasn't good at rugby. I just always. And so therefore I went to the gym twice a day. I'd run in the morning. I, I just put in a lot of effort. I worked really hard. And then it turned out that whole time I thought I sucked. I ended up going over to Ireland and in Ireland, I thought I sucked. And then I got a starting position which I thought I didn't deserve. Like I always had that mentality, right? So I'm sure. always, it, it's easy for me to pick out the faults in dogs and and striving for that perfection. But when you hindsight 2020 and look at them and take a deep breath and be like, shit, that's a nice animal. Yeah. That's a good looking dog. He's, he or she is sweet natured. Look at him go up to that stranger Look at, you know, oh, he just met a strange dog and he didn't bristle up and, and right. see who's tough guy. Like, you start. They just wanted to play and have a good time. And, yeah, or, and just, or just left it alone. Like, it's just it, non-confrontational, easygoing, hard driving in the field, smart, thinker. You know, we call it biddable. Biddable means they're they're a team player. They like to learn. They're, they're easy to train. They're, they, they work with you. Biddability. You know, we, we look for that. And so I can find faults in every dog. But I can also find strengths, and so we want to try and pull those strengths and pick and pull and push and prod and create as best we can the best companion, 
and competitor. But I want to make sure that no matter what we produce, that they've got the the gumption to be a dog that I'd, I'd take from you and want to own. And uh, that, that's tough. It's fun, though. And I think this litter will be exactly what a lot of folks are looking for. And I can tell you right now, the Quinn litter won't be. The Quinn litter will be more. I've got to hand select people for that. It People can be on a list for it. You can want one all you want. But it, it'll be, are you a competitive handler? Are you someone who trains several days a week, if not every day? Are you someone who has had competitive animals in the past? This dog with Boss and Izzy is a great starter dog, is a great second dog, is a great, hey, I got three kids that are under the age of 10 and we want to bring our dog in and I want it to hunt. Like, this is that dog for them. A Quinn puppy is more like, I want a qualified all-age master national, bad to the bone, workhorse, you know, stallion. Um, so, anywho, let's move on. Let's get into some questions there, big dog. Uh, we're going to jump in to uh, a few questions that I had on Instagram the other day, and then we're going to jump into some Patreon questions. Shout out patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. So, all right, let's get into those. Uh, I think you had just mentioned, but patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters uh, is a great way to get in touch with us. And so our friend Nathan, Nathan Ram, thanks, man, appreciate you. Uh, it's kind of following up with you on mini T and whistle sits and all those types of things. Um, and had a, a, a question about mini T. So he had mentioned that his dog uh, will run to the mark and then blow it off, kind of sniff around, whatever. Dog is force fetch, but how do you get him to go back to the mark? Is he using the word mark or are you? What can I do to get him to go back to the mark? Quote. All right. Damn, Nathan. We got to get you on the lingo, son. All right. So if we're doing mini T, we're not doing marks. So we're going to the pile. And what I would, well, all right. We got piles out for your mini T's, right? So if your dog is through force fetch, I will then do force to a pile. You only have one pile, and that would be your back pile. And we can establish that back pile with a mark, which is a bumper being thrown towards it. Sure. So I'm going to take that bumper from my hip, throw it to the pile of bumpers in short, short grass, and go back, continuous stimulation, all the way to the bumper. Now, I should back up again and simplify again. I've done force fetch, walking fetch with an e-collar, Ladder fetch where I've got three bumpers in a row. Send the dog to the one, comes back to it. Send the dog to the next one, comes back with it. Send the dog even further to the third one, like a ladder, like you're leapfrogging. And it's getting fetch, continuous stimulation, pick the bumper up, come back. Fetch, continuous stimulation, go a little further, pick the bumper up, right? And at some point in that ladder fetch when they're crushing it, I'm going to put three bumpers Instead of in a ladder, they're going to be at a quote-unquote pile. They're going to spread out a little bit, and by a little bit, I mean like two foot apart, and I'm going to say fetch, continuous stimulation, fetch, back, back, fetch, back, back. Dog picks the bumper up. Do that for three days, and then just say back. 
back. Continuous stimulation. Go pick the bumper up. Bam. Okay. And then I can do that same back pile. I'm going to sit the dog in front of me. I'm going to scoot to the right a little bit, which if you haven't checked it out already, you can on our Patreon page or our YouTube page, the Whiteboard Mini T Session. Check that out. But I feel like today we're doing a lot of selfish plugs, so my bad. But it's just important that there's a lot of resources that we're trying to provide you, and some of the information is there. So I'm not trying to sell you too much, but it's like there's a lot of good stuff that we're putting out that are is helpful. So anywho, Mini T, whiteboard session. I'm going to create English. I'm going to sit the dog down. Pile is behind it. It's The dog is facing me. I'm going to move two, three steps to the right. Cast straight right back. Pressure. Back. Pressure. Back. Pressure. Dog spins. And as it's going to that pile, I'm still giving it pressure. Collar pressure. So now I've properly force-fetched the dog. I've properly forced the dog to a pile. And I've properly conditioned that dog to turn things off, stimulation, and go and get something quickly. So what I would err on the side of with your first part of your question is the dog will go and sniff and look at grass and pee on something and then maybe pick it up or not at the pile is you haven't thoroughly gone through the process yet, which no sweat, dude, you're like right there. Maybe a week from now, maybe 10 days from now of doing what I just described, the the force to a pile and, you know, casting back with a little bit of pressure so it's got to spin and go towards the pile, turning that pressure off that way, and you won't have a dog that sort of, sort of doesn't go to the pile and pick something up. Now, if you have done what I just described and you're like, no, but we did that. Well, then yell fetch when that sucker's right at those bumpers and put some pressure on that sucker. Fetch, fetch, fetch. Hey, good boy. Okay. Okay, good. Sit down. Back. He starts dinking around again. Fetch, fetch. Put a little pressure on it. I'm not getting crazy with him, but you better go do it. Don't screw around. Don't sniff grass. Don't pick one up and then 10 others. Pick that sucker up and get back here. And and part of that force to a pile where I'm giving continuous stimulation all the way to the pile is creating compulsion, a fire under their ass, to get it in their mouth. So they're not going to go sniff something in the grass if they're feeling stimulation. So as you condition that, as you work that, as you teach that, they don't get the habit of getting to the pile and sniffing around and not picking a bumper up. So I would say maybe take two steps back, work that ladder fetch, transition from ladder to a little mini pile, and then put more bumpers out there and send them on back, forcing them to that pile, and then stopping them on the way back with the whistle and sit, tweet, set, tweet, set. Good. Take the bumper, take a couple steps back, cast. Um, and again, we, we reviewed that pretty good on that mini T whiteboard sesh. So I would encourage you to check that out. Um, and now let's, his second part of the question was sitting on the whistle. So I would say because we're having trouble with 
this segment that we just, you know, five minutes of discussion right there, because we're having trouble there, we're not going to work on the sit whistle in that session somewhere else. You know, in the morning, you're going to work on sit whistle. In the afternoon, you're going to work on pile work. You're not going to try and do two or three things at once and confuse the dog to why am I getting nicked now? Why am I getting, you know, yelled at now? Why is he frustrated? Why? I don't know. Should I stop? Should I sit? Should I stand? Should I go? Should I pick a bumper up? Should I sniff something? And all of a sudden, you've confused the hell out of them. And so we're going to separate the sessions. And so what I, how I do the sit whistle, and it's been on other podcasts, but let's hammer it out for you because you're a patron and I love you. I mean it. I wish you were here sitting on my lap like I'm Santa Claus. No, Kevin just nodded that that's weird. I don't think we're going to cut that out, but we're just going to leave that. You're going to have to live with that. We're going to have to live with that. You're going to have to live with that there, Ram, my man. I hope you drive a Dodge Ram like I do. Me and you'd be doing right. You would have to. Yeah, I'd be doing ram nods down the road towards you. You can't be. No, anyway, we're going to go off on a wild tangent yeah. with that. But keep I going, keep going. Anyways, so I'm going to take you through the process of how I teach this dog to sit on a whistle. So I start with leash. They're at heel. Every time I stop, I've conditioned over a long period of time of practice that every time I stop when I'm at heel, the dog sits. So I either verbally say sit well, I can lift up on the leash, but they just sit. When I stop, they sit. So now I overlay that already known deal where they just sit, and I say sit, tweet, lift up on the leash. Once they're doing that pretty good and I don't have to say sit, I can just stop and they I blow the whistle and they sit. Tweet, good dog. Heel, 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 tweet, they sit, good dog. Oh, from there, I probably, depending on the dog, I'm going to use a healing stick. And I'll have the healing stick in my right hand behind my back, up, like facing upward. And I will walk on the leash. And now I won't lift up on the leash. I'll stop. I'll blow the whistle. And I'll tap the dog on the butt with the healing stick. I just come down with it. Okay? That's step two. Do that for a few sessions. Huh? Did you say why? Can you say why using the healing stick and why you're transitioning? Because you're creating sort of again. Oh, good, good question. Answer it on question. Ask it on the microphone though. Why? Because I, you put it down on the ground because you're lazy. No, because I was cracking a bush light. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so, so you're creating a um, compulsion. A quickness in the sit means his butt doesn't get tapped. If he's slow to sit, the butt gets tapped. If his if he slams his butt on the ground, you whiff. With the stick, you whiff the butt, so you miss it, okay? So now all of a sudden he's like, ha, I sat so quick you missed me. So that explains why you whiff it on purpose. Yeah, you would whiff it on purpose if he sits real quickly. So so he learns faster. The faster I comply with this sit whistle, the faster I, I don't get swatted, right? And depending on the dog is how tough I'd use the stick. Um... And some dogs I don't use a stick on. They just get it so quickly and easily that I don't need it. But, you know. Every dog's different. Yep. Try it anyways. Do it. Don't worry about it. Then, after two days of that, you know, two five-minute sessions of that or eight-minute sessions of that, now I'm going to sit the dog in front of me. Oh, sorry. I'll now collar condition the sit. So now I go from 
leash pressure, upward, tweet, they sit. Stick pressure, tweet, swat, they sit. Now collar, tweet, stimulation, butt hits the ground, stimulation off. So now they're learning to turn the pressure off via the collar, and the faster I sit, the collar will turn off. Okay? So all that is at heel within a 10-day period. Let's just say 10-day. I don't know. I'm just going to say 10-day. No, that makes sense. So point being that you're doing it over a long – it's not like, all right, well, over the weekend we're going to finish this and we're going to do it in three sessions and we're done. Right. It takes time. It takes a little bit of time. But it also doesn't take six months. Okay? So let's just say 10 days of doing it every day for 10 minutes after work or something. Outside your mini T, forced to a pile. You're not even using the whistle during that. In fact, you're not even doing mini T because we discussed that. So now we've got your sit whistle looking pretty sporty, and we've got your force to a pile in a separate section looking pretty sporty. Now what I'm going to do is still separate session. I'm going to sit the dog 20 feet, 30 feet away from me, sit them down, walk away, call them to me. Here. They get up. They start running towards me. Tweet. And I kind of charge them. So... If you can close your eyes, unless you're driving, I'm going to bum rush the dog. Think about it like that. Like, I'm aggressively moving towards them. Tweet, set, tweet, set. And they're like, oh, shit. Uncle Bob's coming. I better sit. Using your body language, using your, yep. Your physical presence. And they're like, oh, he's coming after me. I've heard this whistle, and I, I hear him say sit. I should sit. Boom, butt hits the ground. All of a sudden, my body language changed. Oh, good dog. Boom, black and white. Right. So they hear that whistle. They see me coming. Butt hits the ground. Total change. Oh, good boy. Good. All right. Good dog. Sit. Back up. Here. Tweet. Take three hard steps towards him. Butt hits the ground. Hey, good boy. Okay. Okay. Here. Tweet. Now one step. Now after, again, maybe a session or two of where you have to kind of use your presence to get them to sit and the whistle. Now I'm going to start not needing that as much. And they're going to start like sitting and not wanting to come to you because they're like, well, you're just going to make me sit. So I'll give them one or two freebies here. They come all the way to me. Good dog. Sit. Walk away 20 yards here. Good dog. Sit here. Tweet. And now I'm going to overlay that collar. Now is when I'm going to start putting a little collar pressure on the sit whistle. And I might have to rush them a little bit and body language them a little bit again. But I'm teaching them to turn the collar pressure off and the whistle, and all that, all with coming to me. No bumpers are involved, no distractions. It is just me and a dog and a whistle and your collar. And so now, reliably, coming towards me, they're sitting. When I got that, now I take it to my pile work. Now I take it to my force to a pile. So I'm working that dog going to a back pile, and every third bumper in his mouth, I'm going to try and get him to sit with the whistle. Tweet, tweet, sit, tweet, tweet. And through time, you know, it might take a day or two of this. You might have to bum rush him again. Sit, tweet, sit, sit down, tweet. They might drop it when you you blow the whistle. They might sit, but they'll drop the bumper. Fetch, tweet, sit. They drop it again. Fetch, tweet. Like, just get them comfortable hanging onto the bumper sitting down, not coming all the way to heel, just get them comfortable sitting. 
once they're doing that reliably, I'm now going to introduce this into mini T. No collar. No collar in mini T when I'm using the whistle, okay? I'll say it again. No collar. So I got my piles out, back pile, right over, left over, and we've kind of done some of that stuff already. Again, revisit that whiteboard that I'm, I talked about or the, the session with me and Roscoe doing, it's called three-handed casting with Roscoe or the mini T white set, whiteboard session, but it's all the same thing. Long story short, no pressure, but I'm using the whistle a lot, like every time. Tweet, they, they're sitting in the middle. Take the bumper. Tweet, over. Come back, meet him in the middle. Tweet, take the bumper. Tweet, good dog, over. Tweet, good dog, back. Tweet, good dog, over. And I'm every time they meet me in the middle of the mini tee, I'm blowing the whistle. And so now it's muscle memory, and they've gotten so used to coming to this little location and sitting that I've got them doing it without them really knowing they're doing it, but it's muscle memory of they hear tweet, their butt hits the ground, and then tweet, I'm going to get a cast. So that's how I do it, man. It just seems like you're a little ahead of the game and you need to take a few steps back, revisit a few things, and then move forward. But excellent, excellent question. And again, thank you for being a part of our Patreon, and I hope that helped. All right, bud, what you got next? Yeah, also just kind of doubling back, but didn't want to slowly roll. It was kind of written in a confusing manner, so I don't know if he didn't know what a mark was, but I think it was just written in a confusing manner. So I'm sure he knows what a mark is. Me too. I just think, it. yeah, I wanted to just reiterate and bust chops because that's what we do. Well, I'll take blame for reading it. Whatever. Mm. Colton Cotton Photography. Colby Cotton Photography. I think he bought one of the, if if I'm correct, he is uh, on the list for Izzy Puppy. Really? Well, preemptive congrats. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, was wondering what is the most important thing to do first when you bring a puppy home. Okay, that makes sense. Now, yes, that question. Yeah. When I saw the question and put two and two with the name together, I'm like, this has got to be the same dude. Yeah. So, um, I had a great conversation with another patron today in the tier that can call me. Sure. He's getting a curly coat in another week or two. Ooh, fancy. Yep. Um, and exact same stuff. So, like, when I get him home, what do I do so I don't screw him up? Right. So I've said it a million times, but people, places and things socialize the heck out of that puppy. Take them everywhere you go. Car rides, um, family gatherings, hike in the woods, you know, depending on where you live and, and warmth. You want that sucker swimming at a very young age and, and develop a really strong, positive water attitude. I want to do some research on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist and and buy some pigeons um, so that I can do you know, bird introduction at a very young age, get feathers in their mouth. You know, bumpers are a great tool 90% of the time. But if your dog only knows bumpers and then they see a duck for the first time and they're 10 months old, they're going to balk at it. They're not going to want to pick it up. It's weird. It's so, different. So at 8, 10, 12, 16, 14, 18 weeks old, they're getting a live pigeon. They're getting a, a dead pigeon. They're getting a chucker. They're getting a duck. And they're learning different feathers. And they're learning that feathers are a ton of fun. But if I overdo the birds, then the bumpers lose value. So you have to kind of play this game where 
I don't want to overvalue a bumper and I don't want to overvalue a duck. They got to equal the same amount of pleasure and fun for the dog. Sure. But, but if you only use bumpers, that's going to hurt you. So make sure you got a little bit of a supply, you know, duck season's here, keep a teal, keep a wood duck, keep a mallard, you know, have a few different size birds as a, the dog develops and freeze them and use them and then find well, yourself some pro tips. Defrost them. Yeah, defrost them a little bit. They they don't need to be totally thawed, but no, but you don't want a rock hard brick of duck and then give it to your dog and they're like, "What is this?" Right. That's a good point. Um but a live pigeon will go a really long way. Love love it. Uh, if you have some quail available, we've talked about it in the in the past, zgamebirds.com. I don't know how they're not a sponsor of our podcast, but we love them. They should yeah. love us. They'll ship you a six quail or six chucker um, in the mail at, to your door, and there you go. You got live birds right there. Put them in a little wire bird dog crate or something and keep yeah. them alive for a week or two and use them. Postmen um, and women hate us. <laughs> they hate Z Game Birds. But Not a huge fan. A lot of bird shit in the local post office. I had one time, I, this was a couple of years ago, you ordered a lot of birds from them. And I don't know how my phone got connected on that. I don't know how that happened. But I got a disgruntled phone call at 6.15 in the morning from the post office saying, yeah, you're going to have to come pick these up. These, bir- <laughs> these yeah, birds are going everywhere all over the post office. That's not true. That they were going be. to the bathroom all uh, over the yeah, post exactly. office. You like, made it believe that no, no, they no, were no, flying no, around. No. I want to say they were they taking were dumps everywhere. I would. Oh, okay. They were right. dropping well, these. They were taking dumps everywhere uh, all over the thing, like yeah. through, the, through the mesh crate, whatever. Yeah. Boy. Like, well, well yeah. Sorry. Whatever. So, anywho, Z Game Birds can help you get that going. So, water, people, places, things. Um, retrieve drive, always leave them wanting more. You know, we all say two to three retrieves a day and then put them up wanting more. I agree with that, but some dogs are slow to get pumped up. So if you stop at three and they're just about getting excited, maybe you should do five, right? So the first one, they're okay. Second one, they're getting a little more excited. Third one, they're real excited and doing it. Fourth one, they're doing it. Stop. Fifth one, they're doing it, stop. And and build retrieve drive. Do not steady the puppy up too soon. Do not be the guy that sends me a picture of a two and a, you know, not two and a half month old, that'd be young, but, you know, a, a three month old puppy that's already steady. Don't do that. That takes away retrieve drive. We want to build retrieve drive. We want to build confidence going out after something. The um, other kicker is that three month old puppy is not steady. But but people will, dude. Right. No, so I understand, shouldn't. but I'm saying, like, but it's a puppy. It's not yeah. actually steady. Let them be a puppy. Let them be a puppy. Yep, let them be a puppy. Um, house break, crate train, no. Rules, boundaries. They're not a child. They're a dog. They learn like a dog. They don't, you know, I've got a great client. He's a good dude. I love him to death. But he talks to his dog like a human, like, come on, come up the ramp. No, that's kennel. Kennel means get into that thing. He's yeah. been trained for months on kennel. He doesn't know get up the ramp, you know. So so don't talk to him like a human. Talk to him like a dog. Work him. Teach him. Treat train lure. Use the treat as a lure to come into heel and sit, you know. And you're not expecting perfection. We're just teaching these little mini behaviors that all of a sudden culminate into like, holy cow, my little puppy is like doing some cool stuff. 
but it doesn't know it yet. It doesn't. We aren't holding it accountable to do it for 10 minutes, but we're just building that. We're teaching them how to learn. We're teaching them that learning is fun. We're teaching them to be a team player. We're teaching them how to earn praise. We're teaching them, you know, jumping on me is unacceptable. You're getting swatted. You're getting a knee. Oh, all four feet are on the ground. You're getting treats. You're getting love. Um, so those are the main things. Uh, you know, I could kind of care less whether you let your puppy on the couch or in your bed, but crate train at night, crate in the night, crate when you're in the shower, crate when you're not watching, crate when you're busy, crate, crate, crate. Um, one of the main problems I saw with COVID is everybody got COVID puppies and they all worked from home and their kids were home from school. So these puppies were overstimulated all day, every day. And then it was time to go out and do bumpers. And they were like, eh, kind of tired. The kids just, you know, wore me out in the living room. And so the value of the bumper and the value of the outdoor time was diminished because they had tons and tons of stimulation throughout the day. So a crate helps them calm down, relax, go to bed. And two, three hours later, when it's time to come out and go potty, they're ready to go. They're ready to learn. They're ready to work. And so use the crate as a motivational tool of like, hey, we got downtime too. It's okay to have a dog in a crate. Everybody worries that the dog's in the crate too much. Yeah, that might be true if you work 12-hour days, but the crate is also a tool to build, hey, calm down in the house. Hey, the house isn't playtime. I never throw, well, when they're eight weeks old, I'll throw bumpers in the house. Literally, once I get them going and coming with something in their mouth in right. the house, I stop. I don't want a dog that's constantly pestering me to throw them a ball in the house. That's not what we do. The house is a downtime. As soon as we go outside, now we can turn it on. Now we can have playtime. As soon as you see a white bumper come out, now it's playtime. So, you know, that that kind of on-off is important to teach at a young age. So that's my two cents on puppy development. There's a lot more that goes into it, but it's really not rocket science. Socialize the hell out of them. Build confidence. Build retrieve drive. Let the puppy be a puppy. Don't overexpect. Don't underexpect. You know, don't let them get away with murder. But, you know, they don't have to be doing crazy things at four months old. They just have to be enjoying life, feeling good about themselves, love to learn, and love to retrieve. In a couple months, you'll go from there. We had a couple more. Stick with us. Uh, ben Martin was wondering, uh, and we actually talked about this in a Patreon happy hour recently, but uh, during winter, got a bunch of snow. What do you do? H- how you gonna How you gonna run? Yeah, that? I think he made a comment about like in his garage too. Right, right, and and then followed up with, "Is there is there anything any drills whatever that I can do in my garage?" First Which off, reminds me, sack up, bro. Put on yeah, some, throw put some, on some snow, pants, snow pants on. But uh, reminds me, I feel like during the Master National this year, Master National, you had mentioned a lot obedience. That's one of the things you came back to leading up to it, during it, all of that. Like one of the things, sure. the tenets of whatever that you you know leaned on was dogs that are obedient are able to move through that. Yeah, do the little things great. Work yeah. on the little things and make them seamless. Um, yeah, so all kidding aside, I'm not kidding. Get out of your garage. Um, I think you meant more like. No, I'm going to bust his balls because it's our podcast. <laughs> okay. Get out of your garage. Now, if you're only stuck in your garage, I do have some tips. So I'll, get, I'll give you that. I got some tips. 
Put them on place. Put them on a kennel. Put them in a mow marsh. If you're working on your car or you're winterizing your this or that or you're snow blowing the, the driveway, put them in a Momar stand and make them sit there for the half hour you're snow blowing your driveway. You know, the art of sitting and doing nothing is really difficult for a dog and pays dividends on a duck hunt that's super slow or just like you get there public land hunting and you're there at 3 a.m. and shooting lights not till quarter to six. You know, they got to sit there and wait and got to be quiet and steady and chill. Um, so, you know, you're you're washing your car uh, or you're snowblowing your driveway or you're tinkering around in your in your garage. Put them in a mow marsh instead of just letting them wander around and do whatever they want. Make them think, make them learn to relax and, and sit in that mow marsh stand until you tell them they can get out. Number two, I mean it. Get out of your garage. You can do, depending on where your dog is at, winter's a great time for a young dog that's of age to go through force fetch. So you can do that in your garage. You can do that in your basement. Um, what else? Uh, so, yeah, you can walk, force fetch, walking fetch, force to a pile, uh, mini tee, tee pattern. I mean, before I went south for the winter, I used to snow blow a tee pattern field in a soccer field down the road. I'd load up a, actually I didn't, I didn't snow blow. I lied to you. I'm sorry. I took a shovel and shoveled a tee pattern field across a road in a soccer field and did tee pattern there and forced to a pile and all that jazz. Um, I ran blinds in soccer fields with a foot or two of snow and the dogs had to trudge through it and we got her done. Now marks are a lot harder and I get that. Um, and again, on the Patreon, I talked about like I had my dad, you know, back in the day, my dad would walk out in that soccer field and stomp out a landing zone, like a four foot by four foot stomped out in the snow area. And he would chunk a duck into the landing zone. If you use a bumper and it misses and it gets stuck in the snow, then the dog can't smell it, can't find it, and you're in a cluster. A duck, they can find it a little easier. But you try and hit that landing zone on your mark. Um, wagon wheel. Um, lining pass, shovel your lining pass. I mean, there's still plenty of land drills that you can do in the snow or in your garage or wherever that you don't have to shut it down. I mean, little things, man, heel work, sit, not you teach them to sit on a whistle in the snow. Like all the things that we've talked about this whole podcast, technically speaking, you can do. Whether there's a foot of snow on the ground, two foot of snow on the ground. Now, maybe you live somewhere where you got five foot of snow. That's a lot harder. But the point is there is a grocery store that plows its driveway, and at night you can do it under the lights. I mean, how bad do you want it? Glove up, winter hat up, and get out there and get her done. Okay, uh, and so that was good. And our next one was from Jacob, and he was wondering, how do you teach doubles? When a dog keeps switching from the go bird to the memory bird. Great question. First, can you explain a little bit of what those things mean so people can yep. understand? Yep. So generally speaking, we want the dog to go to the go bird, which is the last bird down. So they will see a bird fall, then see another bird fall, go and get that one, come back remember the first bird thrown and go and get that one so that's your first bird and your go bird 
that first bird we would refer to as a memory bird. So they have to remember it, right? So uh, not uncommon, major pet peeve of mine. It is a real dink move for a dog to go to the one they want. So, and I've had a bunch of these dudes, so you're in good company. They just, they get so excited about that first one. And yeah, they see the second one and they even, they mark it good. But they're like, nah, that first one was wicked, really exciting. I want that one. And so they'll like, you say their name. They might even be looking at the go bird and they'll just go right to the one, the first bird, right? No here. Get them back. Whether that's collar, whether that's a check cord, whatever the case may be, get their butt back to you. Take two or three steps towards the real go bird. Line them up. Good. Say their name. They do it again. No here. Two or three more steps towards the go bird. Send them again. <laughs> Screw it up again. Pick all your birds up. Sit down. Throw it again. Can I ask? I'm wondering, and I don't know because he didn't ask it in this manner, but like, I wonder if he's tossing those two marks in a close way well that would great right? point, or Kevin. is he going to my direct left 180 and then to my direct right so they're yep. literally like on disparate sides of you like and then this way right yep. so or is he like pitching them two in front of him yeah like at a 45 sure. yeah so that would be the second thing is spread your marks out a little bit more so the anticipation of and or how close they are could be a mistake on the dog's part. He's not being a dink. He's like, well, and then They're I find both this over one. this way. Right. So spread them out. Like Kevin said, that's a great point, Kevin. Spread them out. Simplify. Make them 180. Throw one this way. Turn 180 around. Throw one that way. That's got to be real hard to switch on. But you, at some point, you got to graduate and have them be at a 45 or a 90, whatever, where they're, they got to make a decision. And if they go, so the answer is no here, make them go to that one. No here, make them go to that one. Repetition, repetition, and don't let them be successful going and getting the bird that they want if it's the first bird down, right? Like go to the go bird. And then, you know, a lot of folks, uh, this is not a, his question, but I will add to it, is when they get back with the go bird and they line up for the memory bird, they take the duck from the dog and say their name. Wicked quick. You want to take the dog, the be lined up for the memory bird. Dog comes into heel, lined up for the memory bird. Let him look and sit, relax, take the duck. Let him take a couple breaths. Let him remember. Good. Send him. So many people move way too quickly sending the dog for the memory bird when they are starting out. So, so you're saying like as the dog is running back to you, you're trying to situate yourself to be uh, in, lined up for the next one so that when the dog is already conditioned to come into heel, as they come back into heel, they're kind of going to line themselves up for that next one. And then yep. you take your time. They kind of like relax a little bit and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm already lined up. Yep. You let them remember they're already lined up and you send them. But just take your time on it. But uh, again, no here and don't let it slide. If they're successful going and getting that bird that they want, the, the first bird out, even though you're trying to send them for the go bird, and they, they're successful at doing it the way they want, you're one step back. Do it again. 
you're two steps back. So just make sure you got control over the dog, whether you got to put a check cord or get your e-collar turned up a little bit. No here. So, all right. One more. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, 207M Johnston. Uh, thank you for the question. I was wondering, should the average handler run AKC and HRC tests at the same time or start off with one and then kind of like maybe move into the next one? Yeah, great question. Uh, I'm a big proponent of... Well, this is a real good question when you yeah, now I have to think about, about it. it. So here's my thought. My original like quick answer was don't run too many tests because you're going to get a dog that's test wise and sure. you're overdoing it. And, you know, I kind of talked about it a second in, you know, when I was talking about Quinn and running her too young and not yeah, getting yeah. crazy. Right. So, you know, my thought is take your time. Tests are a ton of fun and I'm a huge proponent of them. And I've told you all a million times on here that I think you should run hunt tests with your dogs. Then I see folks with one dog, usually their first dog, that run way too many tests, way too young. And the dogs get test-wise, and they blow up in tests, and they, as they develop into like a real badass dog, they might be great in training when they got a collar on, and the excitement level is a 7 out of 10. And then when they go to a test and the excitement level is an 11 out of 10, they explode. And then you take them to the an AKC test next weekend and they do it again. And then you go to an HRC test the next weekend and they do it again. And yeah. so you, no matter what you're doing, you're, you're entering them into an event that is extremely exciting, extremely pushes the dog out of its comfort zone enthusiasm wise. And so I would air. So my first piece of advice is I don't care what you do. Be conscious of that thought. Doing too many tests in a summer, in a spring, summer, fall, will be detrimental. The other thought is... So hang on, because I want to make sure that that's clear before we move forward. Like, Because his original question was AKC versus HRC versus both. So your stance is don't care as long as you're not doing a ton of them. Yeah, my my stance is be smart about overrunning your dog and letting them get test wise at a young age and and uh that's that. So the second thought is and I might get chewed out for this, but eh, in essence, HRC could be de- determined that it's a little bit easier. So in essence, a started test is easier than a junior test here and i'll i'll explain my reasons why started test and junior test you can hold on to the dog's collar in a junior test that dog has to deliver the duck to hand it has to be truly force fetch and not screw around they have to you have to have the duck in your hand from the dog's mouth if not you're out at a started test they can drop it at your feet and you're in you can take one giant step so within a three, four foot radius of you, if you can really lean out and grab that duck and your dog dropped it at a starter test, you passed. Great. So if your dog's not finished with force fetch, you can go run started. Awesome. But that's where I would say if you haven't done any yet and you're like dogs just learning, started would be easier than junior. Seasoned, it's a, 
I don't know the nuances of seasoned and I know finished a little better, but it just tends to be a little bit easier than senior. Okay, I think the blinds are completely separate where you, in a senior test, it's a double in a blind and you got to honor. And I don't, I don't think you have to honor in seasoned. So there, there's a few things in senior that make it harder than seasoned. So tackle that next, then tackle senior, then finished. Generally speaking, I've seen some finished tests where, that were real butt kickers and I've seen the that were very technical, but a lot of them are a little bit more spread out marks and the blinds are not as technical as a master test. Not necessarily, like I would say finished and master are way closer in comparison difficulty-wise would be my my thought. Um, the other reason I would say HRC is harder is because you got to blow duck calls and shoot guns. Those dogs are you know, got to be real steady during all that excitement. The easier part is you can talk to them during it. So you can tell them sit. You can tell them heal. You can hear, hear, sit, 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 bang, quack, 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 sit, sit, bang. So you can talk to the dog in a master and senior and junior. You can't talk to the dog once you call for the bird. They got to just do what they're told or have been taught, I mean. So if I tell them sit, call for the bird, can't tell the dog sit again. If they break, you out. Um, although you, again, not to get crazy into the details, but long story short, my thought is now to just, I, I rambled my bad. No, no, no. But I think it's also, I, I would err on the side of, if you're trying to do like started, then junior season, then senior finished to the master, you're running your dog a ton. I would maybe pick HRC, get your finished title and then go run master. That's probably the most average and most smart way to do well, it. That makes sense. But if you want to play both games all the way throughout, do it. I just I think if you're running seasoned, screw senior. If you're running finished, once you're done with finished, go knock out master. But you, I don't know, like personally speaking, I wouldn't go do both. Like, for instance, the pterodactyl Blaine Tarnacki. <laughs> or the crow. Someone was like, "Are you the crow?" <laughs> He's the pterodactyl, but they 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 knew the cacao. They, they knew he was crow like. He knew he did the cacao. So, anyways, his kennel they're they're very HRC based. So a lot of their dogs go through the HRC program, and then Blaine rocks master, master national qualifying field trials uh, from there. But they don't go to junior. He, like he's never ran a junior test. He's I don't even know if he's ever ran a senior test. So they build them through HRC, and then once they're through finished, then they go to master. So that that's kind of more what I'm uh, knowing would say. That's sure. what I know. Um, no, for so me, I mean, it's your we opinion. don't have. Yeah, it's my opinion. For what well, you listen to our for podcast, I guess whatever it's worth. But um, I would say. For me, I don't run HRC. It has. I have no. I loved HRC when I used to run it. I don't have. We don't really have them in New York. So, my clients want to run AKC hunt tests. That's what we run, and we will take a dog who's never going to run another test, and we'll take them to junior. We'll bang it out. Um, sometimes they get hooked and want to do more. Sometimes that's all they are. They junior hunter and go be a duck dog. Um, the dogs that come to me and want to be a master level dog, I don't run them in any other test other than master. I will have the owners buy in to let's build you a master dog. Let's not worry about, 
I might run them in senior, I guess, just to give them ribbons. But sure. but it 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 can be a lot easier, like I'm doing with Quinn, if we're just patient, train them, do it right, and teach them, and then go and bang out master like you own it. So that's my thought. But again, I'm a professional dog trainer. I'm not the average guy who, like, the hunt tests are their their hobby. Sure. Right? So they go and see their friends, and it's their hobby. So yeah, you want to go see where if it's like a, oh, there's a weekend nearby. Let's go do That would be fun. Let's go do that. Yeah. yeah. And then your dog gets a breaking problem because it runs too many tests. And that's, and it doesn't matter. People have fun with it. So Right. And that's most likely what this guy's asking. Yeah, I know. But I, I if, digressed hard on that well, one. Well, no, but I don't know. That's probably why people care to ask your opinion on it. The other thing that I point out in, uh, that what are you looking at? Carrie came. My car oh. just ripped through the driveway. Nice. Uh, <laughs> is that in HRC you can rifle through passes faster? From what? From my understanding, which I could be wrong. Correct me. You're wrong. Okay. My understanding. So then, other than fresh. Okay. My understanding is that if you do like a day's worth of stuff, like, okay, that's a pass. Whereas for uh, a senior dog or a master dog or whatever, it's like you got to pass the weekend and that is one pass. Okay. So you, you know you're, what I'm saying? you're only no? correct at master. Yeah, that's good enough for me. Yeah, you were half correct. So right. it's a good point though. So at a finished weekend, an HRC finished test is Saturday. You pass Saturday, you get a pass towards your title. On Sunday, you can run another finish test and get another pass. In Master, it's Saturday and Sunday, three series, and if you pass, you know, the whole weekend, you get one pass. But it's in Junior, it can be a Saturday, Sunday, gotcha. like Saturday pass, Sunday pass, Saturday pass, Sunday pass, you got your title. Senior, Saturday pass, Sunday pass, Saturday pass, Sunday pass, you got your title. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that, and that does. Same, I guess what I'm thinking is like, so from a – calendar perspective like if i want to get to the finish line for fast like i could do hrc and then have a finish dog possibly faster than i could hit a master does that make sense yeah yeah it makes sense just from how long it takes to, to get passes yeah long story short to just double back real quick like the, yeah. the two minute high level answer is be conscious of overdoing it so that your dog doesn't become test wise and you're creating bad habits at a test. Um, if you're if you notice that that's starting to happen, let's back off a run and test and just train and take a break and then come back at it. Um, I think the average person's perspective would be run HRC and then AKC Master. Uh, if you take them from started to finished, then go to master instead of going started junior, seasoned senior, finished master, and running 80 freaking tests in two and a half, three years. So, and you're spending a boatload of money. But again, those are my thoughts. Um, guys uh, uh, and gals, thank you again for tuning in. It's another episode dropped. Tune in next time. Uh, thank you again. This is a Thanksgiving. Thank you to everyone who listens. We wouldn't do this every, well, lately we've been a little lazy, but pretty much it's every not, week. No, it's not true. You were sick and then you were gone for a while. Like, yeah. you know, things, life. 
But uh, we try and do them every week, and we would do it. We wouldn't do it without you. So wholeheartedly appreciate your support, your listenership, and uh, it just it means a lot to us. So keep tuning in. Leave a comment. You know, subscribe, five star review. Yeah, hit us on uh, Apple like iTunes reviews and stuff like yeah, that. We we'll read them out that a little bit. Yeah, we should do that. Christmas. Well, I had a list of them to run through this week, but. We'll do it next week then. All right. All right. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Till the next time. Hey, join our community. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our YouTube, if you enjoy Instagram, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer. Join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. The link is in the description. Click that link. Join the community. We've got tons of great videos, tons of great content, and you can ask me more questions. So join it, enjoy it. We did it for you and you're helping us produce this show. So thank you so much to that community. Get in, get out, let's roll. Patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.